A message from our sponsor, Ingram Barge Company. Calling all pilots in the Gulf region. Ingram Barge Company is offering a $5,000 sign-on bonus for pilots interested in living board positions. We offer a variety of schedules including 28 and 14, 20 and 10, and 21 and 21. Applicants must have a Master of Towing Vessels license with Inland and Western Rivers endorsements. Ingram offers a competitive benefits package and 401k with company match. Apply today at www.ingrambarge.com. I am joined today by a brand new heavy tow pilot on the lower miss, Mr. Roman Kale. He has been with Ingram for the majority of his career, but we'll hear more about that as we go. Roman, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate you having me here. I get to tell my story. Yes, sir. Well, the way these begin, tell me, uh, where were you born? I was born in Rockford, Illinois. Well, what was life growing up in the 90s in Rockford? <laughs> I really can't say a whole lot because uh, we didn't live there but a couple of years. Uh, my mom's family's all from up that area, Rockford, Belvedere, DeKalb. Uh, we moved to um, Madisonville, Kentucky when I was four, I believe, and lived there for a few years until we moved to uh, Katie's, Kentucky, where I reside now whenever I was eight. So I've been here for over 20, 25 years now. Any memories from uh, any of the stops along the way? Anything interesting growing up? <clears throat> uh, my dad, he, uh, he worked for my grandfather, which was a, a florist. He owned a chain of flower shops and uh, he actually drove around a truck so I remember him being gone a lot um driving the trucks around um you know state to state delivering products and selling ribbons and things like that it's a pretty big thing and uh I have a brother that is six years older than I am and it was pretty well me and him um growing up together until my sister was born 20 years later 20 year difference 20 years difference between my older brother and my younger sister. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, where did, you, did your mother work? Yes, she is a uh, physical therapist assistant. Um, she works, she lives here in Katie's as well. And uh, that's what she does. Okay. Well, uh, were you drawn to anything in high school, sports, academics, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I was, I played sports growing up um everything baseball football basketball soccer soccer was my main sport um I continued with that once I got in high school and uh played um all four years um I actually got offered a scholarship to go play at a local college here in Kentucky and ended up joining the National Guard instead I'm thinking that's what I wanted to do Tell me about uh, your National Guard experience from, from, I guess, really enlisting to boot camp to your whole time in there. Uh, well, I actually signed up. A recruiter came in, and <clears throat> I always heard my dad talk about, you know, how he I wish he wished he would have served. That's one thing that, you know, he regrets not doing some kind of service. And uh, I, the recruiter caught me on the right day, and uh, – came into the school and I was like, well, maybe that's an option. So uh, I ended up signing up um, while I was still in high school. It was second semester of my senior year. And 
uh, I enlisted and I had the summer off um, after graduating. And then I was shipped off to Fort Sill where I was there for basic training and my AIT, uh, my advanced individual training. Um, and I was in the artillery as a 13 Fox is what I was. Um, but I did, did all the time. Like, it was 16 or 17 weeks total all in Oklahoma. And uh, I don't know if anyone listens from Oklahoma, but there wasn't a whole lot there. And it was terrible weather. Any other uh, interesting memories from that whole period? Uh, I went on a deployment in uh, 2012 to 2013. I went to Djibouti, Africa. Uh, I stayed 10 months, 10, it was like 10 or 11 months over there. Um, just on the base, they, what they were doing was they were building a, uh, a, a new airfield for drones. And um, actually like 70%, it was a big, a big percentage of drones actually gets flown out of there and gets piloted from controlled in the US, but that's where the base is. So we were in charge of security while they were building um, the air base, but uh, great, great friends. Uh, I've got lifelong brothers um, from our service that we still get together. We still talk, communicate. Um, and uh, that's, that's the best thing that I got from my experience from the military, that and um, the benefits being a veteran. How long were you in? I was in for uh, six years. The way they do it in the guard is like I, is an eight-year contract. You do six years of active service, and that's your weekend duties, your two weeks out of the year. If you get called on deployment on that time, and then you do two out two uh, years of inactive service, where I don't have to participate in anything. But if for some reason something big were to happen they could still call me in. Um, so I, I got joined in 2009 and got out in 2015 um, is whenever I stopped with the service. Um, it was it was really hard. I was already in the guard when I started out on the, um, on the river. And uh, it was difficult because I was having to get off for weekend duty. And uh, whenever I had, you know, the boat was in New Orleans, I had to be there Saturday, Sunday while I'm having to get off the boat Thursday to drive all the way back to my home in Kentucky, get all my stuff together. That way I can leave Friday to get there for the weekend, Saturday, Sunday. And then if the boat's still down in New Orleans or Baton Rouge, then I'm going to leave Monday to travel. So uh, it was very, it was very tiring. Um, I was always getting shorted days or not getting shorted days, but I was always having to make work extra to cover those days that I lost. Um, so when I got the opportunity to, uh, when my service ended, you know, I had to decide whether I was going to be continuing the guard or if I was going to make um, towboat in my career. Well, what led you to the river industry? Um, my stepdad, um, him and my mom have been together for 20 years and he actually is retiring here soon. His name is Mike Stewart. He's been on the river for 40 something years. And uh, so growing up, <clears throat> I was always accustomed to him, you know, one month on, one month home, you know, the different um, getting used to that. And I gave, 
when I got out of the um, basic training and stuff like that, I gave the old college tries, what they say, and uh, it didn't pan out for me. So I was looking for work. And of course, originally, whenever I started out here, started on the river, I was only going to be there for a few months. You know, I was going to make a little bit of money, um, get it going, and then I was going to, you know, find something else. And it just stuck to me. But um, him and my now father-in-law is actually the one that called in a favor at United to get me a job. And so I've got my father-in-law, my stepfather, my brother-in-law, another brother-in-law, and a cousin, and then an uncle that did work out here for 20-something years. So it's, it's definitely in the family. Well, tell me about deckhand onboarding, and I guess the first time you stepped on a boat. The first time I stepped on the boat, uh, I had, had weekend duty coming up for the guard, and uh, at United Orientation was, I think, two days, and a day of it was, um, you know, paperwork and stuff like that. The second day was we went out there and we helped a, a, a big, big boat tow strip hundred something sets of rigging at Carol McManus actually. So we didn't have a lot of experience whenever, you know, we first get put on a boat at all. Um, Ingram definitely has a better training program leading up for new, um, new hires coming in. Um, so I get on a boat. Uh, it was the, I want to say, I'm pretty sure it was the Sue Caso, a little fleet, fleet tug there in Metropolis. And I was the only man on there. It was the, the pilot. And then it was me. And I remember starting my first shift, he told me to go ahead and uh, turn him, turn him loose, that line loose off the cowl. And I said, I said, what, what you talking about the rope? Uh, I didn't, I didn't know what the cowl was. I didn't know what the line was. I didn't know what, a, what any of it was. So he said, okay. So we went over with some, uh, the other tugs that were working. And uh, he said, you just stay with these guys and do whatever they tell you to do. And uh, so that's what I did um, that first week until I finally got put on a boat. And I, I jumped on a few boats here and there into uh, my first re real regular boat was the B Black, which is now the, I believe it's the Eleanor McDonald. And that's where I ran into uh, my first regular crew that I was on there for a year and a half, a little, a little less than a year and a half. And uh, my first real mate, Casey Walden, which he works um, for another company now, but that really took me under his wing and uh, started teaching me, you know, about um, the river life as far as, you know, line, you know, throwing lines and making bumpers and laying wires and, you know, talking into locks and things like that. So um, I got to work with him for a while. Um, and I really, I always think of Casey as the one that, they kind of got me on my feet starting out. Well, give me a little rundown of that uh, that first job, man. The first what now? Yeah, when you were the, the, your first trip on deck, how that uh, how that whole hitch panned out? Uh, it's towboating is one of them things where you really can't explain it unless you're out there um, and doing it. So you know, I. I talk to my, you know, my stepdad and stuff like that, kind of about what to expect and friends and things like that. But once you actually get out there, um, I started, it was January, I believe. And 
it was I just remember how cold it was. And uh the first line ball boat I rode was a Sylvia H there, my very first full actual trip. And I can't know, I don't know what it's called now, but uh I remember going out there and um you know, trying to get used to the sleep schedule, being on backwatch, especially, you know, working with the mate and things like that, trying to uh, trying to get sleep when you can, trying to take everything in. I remember the, the mate said, you're not going to make it out here. And uh, I, I believed him. I thought, so too. I was like, maybe I'm not going to make it out here. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of new things. I mean, everything was brand new. It was, it was I mean, walking blindly somewhere and trying to learn and trying to figure everything out. I got quite a few uh, ash jackings, I would say, um, from the mate and the um, pilot and captains and stuff like that for being lost, not doing the right thing or doing something backwards. Or I remember, <laughs> I remember we were uh, rolling up sounder cords. Never rolled up a sounder cord before. It was a cord, but I started looping it around in my hand, going, going, and going. And I get, I don't know, probably 200 foot back from the head and the mate comes over there and he's like, are you tying up your cords or whatever? And I'm holding about 600 foot of cord where I didn't unplug it. So it was just all tangled up and it took me about two hours uh, for me to untangle all that cord where I had it all stacked on top of each other. And I remember him, man, he gave me, he got into me pretty good on that one. I bet you didn't screw it up again then, huh? No, no, never have, never have. I still actually tell that story to people. Dick crew get on the boat because I know, I know what it's like, and I know people can get really frustrated, um, you know, with new hires and new people. But I really remember what it's like coming to this job for the first time and having absolutely no idea what's going on. So you said uh, about a year and a half with United, and then Ingram acquired them. Yes, yes, it was actually. <laughs> It was actually pretty uh, crazy because I deployed in August or September of 2012, and we found out about the buyout like at the mid-summer, early summer of 2012. So they had uh, Ingram came to Metropolis and wanted to get all the uh, United employees coming in there and kind of give them a hey, an introduction of hey, you know, this is it, you know. You don't have to fear for your job, you know, you know, so a pep talk. And uh, so I was trying to get my stuff together for the my deployment as well. So I'm uh, telling them, hey, I need this paperwork, you know, filled out that way. Whenever I get back, I, I have a job. Uh, well, Ingram sends says, well, we hadn't technically bought y'all yet. You need to talk to United. So I go talk to people at United. Well, what we're not going to be united whenever you get back you need to go talk to ingram so i was kind of going back and forth so it was a crazy time so when i actually got back from the deployment and uh, went to ingram's office for the first time um, after when i was taking my leave off uh you know i'm introducing myself to some people like you know we wondered if you were a real person or not because they've seen my name on paper and everything but you know i've been unexistent um, but once I got back, you know, they, they fired me right up, told me, hey, you can catch a boat whenever you're ready, and uh, got me to working pretty quick. I actually lost a week of leave because I came back a little early, get back in the swing. Were you a Titans fan before you went to Nashville? 
I have been a Titans fan since my uh, one of my good buddies' parents had have season tickets, and which I've got season tickets now. But um, they took me to a game when I was I don't know, maybe eleven or twelve, and I was always a Bears fan just because that's what my family, you know, is Bears fans, Cubs fans, which I still am a Cubs fan. Um, but uh, I went to that first game. I never looked back. Uh, I love the Titans. My kids, my son, he changes teams every other day. Whoever's good, but my daughter's loyal. My wife's loyal. Uh, we're definitely a Titans fan household. Yeah, I was following them when it was Steve McNair and uh, and Eddie George, like when it first they first came oh, into yeah. existence back then. But uh, I kind of fell out of favor. I'm from New Orleans, so of course the Saints, and then they won that Super Bowl. But uh, yeah. whatever the case, uh, walk me through your career, I guess, up until you got into the Steersman program. Um, let's see. All right, so I get back from deployment in 2013. Uh, I meet and greet everybody talk to everybody they say you're gonna go catch the donna griffin and this was july um i said okay donna griffin i that was in 2013 and to this day i'm still on that boat few name changes but um i went over there as a senior deckhand see it was me and then two other buddies that i still talk to now one of them's actually uh turned loose as well um Chad Brewer on the Martha Lynn, and another one's about to get turned loose here soon, I believe. So, Kalen King, he's in the Steersman program right now. Um, but it was us three deckhands, and Bobby Conyers was the captain. And I rode with Bobby for five years, but uh, I can't, went over there as a senior deckhand, and I worked my way up to lead man and then senior lead man. And back, back then in Ingram, you didn't have to have an actual spot open to get moved up to lead man and senior lead man. Um, it was second mates before you actually had to actually have a spot. Um, so it was me and Chad and then Kalen left. But Chad and me kind of always moved up. He was always about a year ahead of me. So when he got his senior lead man, I got my lead man. When he got his second mate, I got my senior lead man. When he got mate, you know, we were up together for five years. And, uh, Great crew. We had we had a really good crew. Um, a few people here and there. Uh, the mate was Don Powell. He finally retired a couple of years ago. He was out on the river for 30, 30 years, 30 something years. And the chief is uh, Billy Joe Compton. Um, he actually just went to a smaller boat um, to try to finish up, you know, the rest of his time on the river. But he was actually on that boat for 30 something years same boat so i'm i'm a little behind him as far as time goes but as we as we the years went by we ended up captain bobby wanted to switch rotations to get on schedule with his son so he switched over to the other crew and billy watkins um, which is my captain now and is also my father-in-law came to the boat um at the time we were not officially related um, at the time when he came over. But uh, once he came over, I wrote a couple more trips as second mate and Chad Brewer actually got put in the steersman program. And uh, I moved up to mate for a little while over there till I got in the program. 
Um, and whenever I got in, I asked uh, Captain Billy if he would steer me, and he said he would. Um, so that's who I, I've been riding with the last five years, I think, four years maybe. Well, actually, when I interviewed uh, Captain Beaver, he recommended I or mentioned Billy Watkins, and it's interesting, the small world here, but uh, I'm trying to get Billy lined up with this this podcast as well. Um, have you, aside from your stint at Metropolis, have you always been on the lower mess? Uh, no, I did. Uh, that time when I was on the B block a year or so, um, they were in the Illinois River, and we would run. Usually, we'd sometimes come down to Metropolis, but normally a lot of times it was St. Louis up to all the way up to um, Lockport and all that. Um, I did that, and then, but once, once I got back from uh, my deployment and got that down at Griffin, which is the Frank Johnson now, I've been on the lower ever since. So that's it's been ten years I've been in the lower. What did you think about the Illinois? I liked it. Um, I I liked, and even as I was decking, um, tripping, if I could trip, I would always ask to go on a walking river. Um, just it one a different set of scenery um two just it makes the watches go by faster to me um you know you got a, a double lock here or you got you know a couple locks in one watch it you know makes the time go by fast makes, which makes the trip go by fast um smaller toe sizes um i mean it's a lot less work um to an extent but you know the lower you also might have five or six days of running and nothing at all but when it's time to work it's time to work um so i enjoyed it but i actually did uh i finally was able to get a boat um tripping i was finally to go on the upper um on the upper mississippi and never been up there always wanted to go but they usually have you know the more uh, locking people you know that are used to doing locks and cuts stopping cuts and stuff like that well i finally got got some work up there they needed somebody so and it was it was beautiful up there um we actually went i caught the boat at lacrosse and i got off the boat at uh st paul so i got to see some of the um some of the cooler things and i, I remember i was just talking to somebody i seen they were breaking up ice and stuff there at lake pippin and uh i was in the lower lower deck room and uh I didn't know nothing, you know, about it. And, you know, I'm in there sleeping and I wake up because I hear, and I'm like, holy cow. I said, like, so this ain't right. You know, something's happened. I look outside and you can see, you know, huge sheets of ice. We're just ranting through. I'm like, what the heck, you know? And everybody else is like, that's just normal. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, a heads up would have been nice, but. What's the uh, the prettiest place you run? Your favorite place to, to, to be? The upper was awesome. The scenery was, I, I, try to explain to my wife the, the way just it feels cozy up there like the town and stuff like that but I mean I I'm a lower I'm a lower guy um I, you know it's a lot of sandbars and things like that but uh New Orleans now it's not so much fun running it but um coming around Algiers Point and especially at night seeing the city all the lights and everything it's you can't beat that spot right there yeah, I've never been north of Baton Rouge. I rode, uh, I'm just shore side, but I rode from um, Convent to Myrtle Grove and then back up, got, hopped off at Dockside right there, right out of Just Point. I've been around Just Point a few times. Yeah, tell me about your experience in the steersman program. 
it, it takes a lot. I'm going to start by saying it, you know, I, even being a deckhand or anything, you know, you just see somebody sitting in a chair. Um, that's what I thought. It's like, you're paying this man this kind of money. He just sits in the chairs and looks outside, you know, looks at a, a little radar thing, you know, and that that's it. Like, that's what you got to do. Uh, my first trip uh, steering, which I steered with my father-in-law, um, Captain Billy Watkins, I honestly couldn't even tell you a single thing I did or uh, learned that trip just because it was an overload of everything's new you know again we're back to absolutely being oblivious to well why we're doing this or um what does it matter if it's swinging this way or what's it matter you know everything you know the, the radars well i don't or the buoys i don't i don't need to you know everything is just just so it's so overwhelming um it took me about three trips before i really started um <clears throat> getting my feet and getting um understanding some of the concepts but uh, i was lucky i got in right after the um the couple couple years of high water whenever i started steering and got just the the very end of it so they started getting buoys and stuff in now they finally started running buoys again so i had a lot more um of actually learning because i steered for uh probably a year on my off time uh, before I actually got in the program, I went and got my license, and he would let me steer on my off watch, so I'd get up, you know, early or lose a couple hours of sleep, and, uh, you know, a lot of that was during that high water where you just take everything you want everywhere, you know, there was no, you know, real concept of, you know, looking at buoys or, you know, keeping an eye on your sounder or grabbing too much or, you know, like that, so whenever I actually got in and was able to, uh, to go, I had buoys. Um, Billy, Captain Billy's, he is a great, a, a great wheelman. Um, he did a really good job teaching me. He, I mean, don't get me wrong. If I messed up, he let me know. But if uh, if I did something good, you know, he let me know as well. Um, but it, it's, and it's tough. Um, I mean, anybody that's, steered or has steered somebody you know the, you got to understand that you know you're with somebody you know 28 days 12 hours a day you know in a box and so you, you get close and then you know people have bad days people have good days you know it's uh you know it it it, it takes it takes us it takes a special person to be able to stand behind you and teach somebody how to navigate up and down the river. Um, so kudos to that. And I hope one day that I'm able to give a bunch of people back what, you know, what I was given, you know. Um, but I ended up uh, steering for like a year and four months. And uh, my operations manager, Kenny Underhill, called me and it was it was my birthday actually we were getting off the boat and uh he said he said hey you know run something by you um or you know I was talking to billy he had him on speaker he's like are you ready and i said well i don't know and billy it's like oh he's ready you know he, he can do it he can do it and uh the pilot that was on there at the time 
Robert Nelson. I'll give him a shout out because I wrote with him for six, six or seven years, seven years. And uh, he's a he's a great woman too, and and a good friend. He uh he said, hey, I need Robert to go somewhere else. If if you think you're ready, we'll put you on that boat with Millie next trip. And I said, well. Well, here's my concerns. You know, I won't hadn't seen this, or you know, I gave him my things, and he told me he said that's the only thing that's holding you back. He said, um, if Billy's willing to work with you, you know, as you're getting you know settled in, he said we'll let you go. And I looked at Billy because at that point, you know, I don't, I, you're never really ready. Um, <laughs> and he said you're ready. So uh, I caught the boat next trip and been turned loose. Just over a year now. Well, what's your normal run? Do y'all turn at uh, at Cairo or Columbus? Right, right there below Columbus. Yeah, 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 Columbus. And normally, normally no farther than Triangle. Um, we've went down to uh, turn services um, a few times, but I'm not really posted down there. So if we have, it's been, you know, a couple barges down, and then I'll take a full tow north, but. Uh, like, most like, of the time we usually turn it a triangle down in the hole you mean myrtle grove yeah yeah well uh like i mentioned i've not been above baton rouge tell me walk me through a trip uh either from the deck perspective or the wheelhouse from columbus all the way down well the first step is getting on top of that toe <laughs> uh downstream and on top of the toe that's Spe the, uh, that's the speaking of which how many barges uh do you normally push uh, we are a 40 barge boat, um, if the river is able, so it's going to depend on, um, river conditions, um, and things like that. But if we're able to take 40, they're going to put 40 on us. Right. All right. Sorry. So you're getting behind a toe up in Columbus. Yeah. Getting on top of a toe in Columbus. That's, that's the first thing. Uh, downstreaming is not, uh, yeah. Downstream, it, it, it's it's a tough thing to to learn because you. That's the thing with all being the lower, and that's one thing you know. Training on the lower is you might only downstream twice a trip, uh, where you know you've got other boats, um, you know other rivers, Ohio, you know um, Illinois, upper that, you know they might get you know face up and unface, you know fifteen twenty times in one trip. So um, not being able to get to do it because you might catch it twice a trip. Well, you might only catch it on, on the captain's watch and the pilot, you know, might not want to let you do it, which I understand because I couldn't let somebody do it. So that was one of my, uh, that was one of my concerns whenever I was talking about getting turned loose. Um, just because it, it's the most dangerous thing, maneuver you can do on the river to me. Um, but Billy got up with me, um, a few, my first, my first few times that I did catch it. And, uh, now I'm, I'm getting on top of them on my own, but once you get on top of it, we're taking off. Um, it's, it's really important. And that's one thing Billy's really taught me is to, um, not just drive to actually learn the river. Um, so we keep up with all of our river stages, you know, how much water, you know, especially northbound, we've got our own virtual buoys that we can put in ourselves. 
So if there's not a buoy there, or if we know there's water behind the actual buoy and we cut in behind it, boom, we'll put a buoy there. Hey, we know there's water there southbound. So if we're coming around there, I know that I can, you know, run behind that one or I can cheat on this one or, and it makes, uh, it makes going up and down the river so much better because we're not just driving. I mean, we're actually trying to, to figure things out, to learn, to see what we've got, um, to make things easier, easier on us. So we both do it. So it helps us both, you know, with both guys doing it, you know, getting out of, get out of Columbus, uh, there's Island eight, which is the tightest spot on the lower Mississippi river. Um, it's, I back up there every time I flank it. Uh, a lot of people do. Some people steer it. Billy likes to steer it. Um, and I actually was only trained to steer it. Um, that's kind of what we did whenever I trained with them. But um, that's usually just to get me a good a feel of what the toe's doing. You know, is it swinging good? Is it back? You know, is it got back? Things like that. And then, uh, then it's pretty pretty decent stretch down um, until to me till you get down to Fork of Deer, um, which is right there below Blyville and above uh, Blyville and right there above Osceola. Um, that again is a spot that I always back up. I don't I don't mess around with. Um, and you get busy with that, and then Craighead and Randolph will be your next turns um, below Osceola. So you you wake up you wake up there around Blyville, or you're gonna have you're gonna have a pretty busy watch southbound. And then you got the Memphis Brutus, which for some reason I seem to catch about every trip since I've been turned loose. <laughs> they say. I wish everybody's different. I, I can only go from my experience, but you know, when I got turned loose that first time getting to Columbus to head south, you know, you I'm in my head, I'm like, if we leave at this time, I'm gonna catch this, I'm gonna catch this, well, I'm gonna catch the bridge. I've already got the whole southbound trip um mounted in my head, you know, because it's my first time by myself without hey, this look good to you, you know. But uh, making it through Memphis, and then you got the Wiggles down there below Memphis. You got the six hunters, what they call it, the Wiggles, and uh, it can be a pretty vicious, um, good stretch um, between Helena Bridge. Below Helena, you got um, Kangaroo, um, Old Town, Huey, Wood Cottage, Masons, Laconia, and Victoria. Um, all on that good, it's about 100, 110 mile stretch of all that. And once you get uh, through there, you've got Vicksburg Bridge to contend with. And that one, it, uh, <clears throat> that one is, uh, it's, it seems one that I seem to always catch too. But um, once you get, once you get down below Vicksburg, the river wide, it's, it gets a little bit wider, of course, depending on the river stages, but it slackens off a little bit. Um, and it's pretty, pretty decent stretch all the way down to you get right there around Baton Rouge. You got Thomas Point and then Wilkerson Point and the bridge. And then once you get down, once you flip over from uh, 13 to 67, it's going to be uh, nothing but earfuls and, and uh, radios on both sides. Is Wilkerson Point and that, uh, that old I-10 bridge, uh, or excuse me, the old 190 bridge, is that the toughest, uh, toughest one to make? Uh, everybody's got everybody's got their own 
opinions. To me, uh, Memphis Bridges with 40 Vardis is my least favorite to do just because it's it always looks bad um, where they got that uh, economy boat store right there below the lower bridge. Um, with 40 to me, in my opinion, that I hate that one the most. And you're what? You're eight long five, eight long five wide. No, uh, south southbound. We are five wide. Uh, no, we're eight wide, five long south. Okay. Well, then, how um, wide? How wide is that Memphis Bridge? I don't know. I I don't. I'm not sure. I don't have to look that one up. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's not getting through the bridge itself. It's of course they make every bridge is in a turn. You know, it's in a bend. They can't just you know have a straight bridge, but um, once you once you get the bridge cleared, you have to hold the pier because you're making a turn. Um, and when, as you're making that turn, you're creating a slide and you've already got current going that way. Well, right, maybe 300 foot or so below the lower bridge is the economy boat store where they've got tugs and fuel flats and stuff that stick out. So as you're making your turn and you're steering, that's that's where everything's going so it always it always looks bad um but that's just how it is there i don't it's a wonder it's a wonder that place hasn't been taken out on a regular but i mean it's just it's just there and people get around it all you know every day roger that well tell me a little bit about uh i guess what you think about ingram oh it's it's great um uh <laughs> i remember at at united uh it was, you know, a lot, a lot of places they talk about safety and, uh, you know, they stick a, a safety sticker on the door to be safe. And okay. You know, that's, that's the end of it. <laughs> United, we, you know, we would be, you know, climbing up wires, jumping down from empty to loads, you know, doing, doing whatever we had to do to get the job done. Um, in an efficient time, you know, it was always go, go. I get to Ingram. I remember the first trip, uh, we're packing something and uh they're like they're like i know we'll do two trips i'm like well i got two hands you're like no you don't have to i'm like well, i can do it. Like, listen you, we don't want you to get hurt you don't have to do that you know and i was like okay it opened my eyes and that's what i've seen that the culture was like you know ingram's not just slapping a safety sticker and saying good job guys we're safe you know they've got all these policies and procedures because something's happened you know there's a reason that why that's there you know, it, they follow that, you know, and if you don't follow that, then, you know, there could be punishment for not following because they're, they're set there for, they're set there for us to keep us safe. And I got to do, I did a lot of new hire training whenever I was a second mate and mate and stuff like that. And uh, the way they do training, you know, week long, they actually have like a training barge. Like it's, it's a top notch facility. Um, everybody I've worked with, around the office operations dispatchers we got one of the best dispatchers I, the best dispatcher i've ever had and uh you know just to beat the, the environment it's just it's friendly it's it does feel it does feel like home and that's that's one of the that's one of the favorite my favorite parts of the job too is there for a while you get a crew you know me and the cook we've rode together for 10 years now um you know i've spent as much time with him in 10 years and i have you know, my, my family at home and, you know, we're friends. 
engineers, you know, people you meet out here, you talk to, you meet, you know, people, there's people that I talk to on the radio that I've never met before or, or never seen, but we talk, you know, all the time. It's just it, the industry itself, it can be, there can be some bad apples, but as far as it's, everybody's working together, everybody's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a friendly place to be. Takes a village to, to make all this work. Yeah. Well, uh, switch topics now. Tell me about your family. How long have you been married? Uh, we've been married for three years. We've been together for 12, 12 years. Um, I've got a 14-year-old girl. She'll be 15 in July. And I've got a eight-year-old boy that'll be nine in October. Um, my wife, she works at a health department. She's an RN, registered nurse. And uh, my kids, uh, my son, he's into any sport possible. He, that's, that's his thing. He just likes being outside. And my daughter, she's a freshman. She plays soccer as well. And uh, she loves Taylor Swift. Do you think, I know he's only eight, you said, or nine. But uh, do you think any signal that he'll follow you into the end? Uh, I don't. I don't know. He, at this point, I, I don't know. Whatever, whatever makes him happy. Um, I'm, I'm happy with whatever makes him happy. So if they do, then, you know, I can help lead him down that road and help as much as I can. But if not, then, as whatever makes him happy. That'll just about do for my questions, Ben. You have anything else to share about the industry in general? Which, if you ever talk to Billy, he'll tell you. He said, "Towboating is the only the only job that people work work harder." Um, how does he say? Towboating is the only job that you make that people work harder for and not make any more money. I think that's what he said. It, it's a thing where, you know, we like making miles. Um, we like running. We don't, you know, we don't have to wait. You know, we'll try to say, you know, we'll try to make jumps. Um, we'll try to, you know, if we know there's water to run behind some of these places, we'll do it. And, uh, you know, we're not getting paid any extra for it, but um, it's one thing that's, it's just, it's fun. Um, makes time go by faster. You know, we, we want, you know, we want Ingram to succeed. We want industries to succeed. You know, we, we love learning the river. I think that'll do it, Roman. I do appreciate your time this afternoon. All right. I appreciate you.